You are listening to the Youth Speakers Coach Podcast. This is episode 102. In this episode of the Youth Speakers Coach Podcast, Saddleback High School Pastor Josh Griffin tells us about the importance of collaboration in communicating with students. Uh, like, uh, like you just heard, my name is Josh, and I'm the high school pastor um, out here at Saddleback. I've been in youth ministry for just about 20 years, which is crazy, because I don't think of myself as being that old, but apparently I am. Uh, I've been mis- ministering in a really small church in a really small context in Michigan for about eight years and did a little youth work in, in college as well. And then have been here now almost 10 years. So I have the privilege of really understanding a bunch of different contexts um, because I've experienced that in my own experience as the the youth ministry pastor at a a church of a couple hundred. And then now here as the high school pastor of uh, a much, much larger larger congregation. So um, have had a chance to speak in a lot of different venues and places and I'm privileged to be here today. So thank you so much for the invite. Um, Well, we're glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to just kind of jump in. I I don't know the skill levels necessarily that are represented here, but I'm assuming that everybody um, on the conversation today, you know, is communicating to students and and talking to teenagers. And I've experienced a, a lot of a lot of highs and a lot of wins. And I've also done all of the classic mistakes. And I think I might have invented a few mistakes myself too. Um, and so what I wanted to do to share is honestly just share a little bit of some of the successes that we found recently. Um, with a lot of collaboration with speaking. And what I found happening is that a lot of pastors, and myself included for a long time, a lot of people who work with students, you know, teachers and and everybody, um, they find themselves all alone when they're doing preparation. And then they're all alone during delivery. And then after they communicate, whether it's a Bible lesson or a class or whatever it happens to be, they find themselves all alone again. And you know, after the pat on the back from one or two students or one or two parents or you know, maybe the applause of an adult group or something like that, um, it quickly fades into the background and they realize how alone they are. And what can happen is, is over time, a communicator either doesn't realize that they, their skills are not improving or they realize that they're not connecting with their audience or they realize nothing at all. They have no feedback, no response. Um, they just think that the teenager's eyes are glazed over because that's what teenagers do. But unfortunately, you know, the, that is not good information that you're receiving as a communicator. And I, I've found some really interesting, real interesting principles uh, with collaboration that have honestly changed the way I prepare messages for students. When I prepare a youth talk, um, I, I honestly involve collaboration the entire way. So let me throw out um, a few principles, and then I think you'll see that theme of collaboration come out through it all. Um, The first big picture principle is just you have to know where your lesson is heading from the very beginning. Um, Some people sit down in front of a a blank Word document and that cursor just stares at them blinking and taunting them and they have no idea. And so they kind of just type a few things or write out a story or find a passage of scripture or whatever it might be. And they begin to kind of just hope that eventually on the other side, a message comes out. And I really try as much as possible to start with the end in mind. So knowing where the lesson is heading, knowing where the series is heading is really important. 
So in order to do that, you know, honestly, the topics and directions, a lot of that does come from me. As the lead youth worker at our, in our high school ministry, it's my responsibility to own the teaching calendar and all of that. Um, but I want to use collaboration even in this process too. So one of the things that we've done recently is uh, on Tuesday afternoons in my office, um, I'll just bring in a group of students. And we'll just have a meeting, you know, say once a quarter or so um, for this particular meeting on Tuesday afternoon, and we'll just start, you know, talking and laughing. And then I'll say, hey, guys, the reason we, we got together is I really want you to help me understand the stuff that you're facing. What are the issues that you're facing? What are the struggles? What are the wins and losses? And we take that time, you know, honestly, some usually some great stories come out of it that I can use as an illustration later as well. But, you know, I'll fill up the whiteboard in my office, which is constantly filled with stuff, and I'll fill it up with ideas. And, you know, we might use one or two of those ideas. Sometimes we'll get a really great idea, and it'll turn into a series right away. And either way, all the ideas on the board are captured and saved in a Word document because I want to be able to revisit those later um, to know where a series is heading and to possibly be inspired when I don't have many ideas later on. I'll give you one example of where this really um, happened in a beautiful way. It doesn't always. In fact, the first time we did it, I, I might have even said, I don't ever want to ask students what we should teach on again because it went so abysmally. But eventually we created a culture <laughs> of it. <laughs> and we had one, this, this student, his name was Chase. He came up to me and he said, Pastor Josh, I, I want you to, to speak on, in, on nothing. Can you speak on nothing? And I was like, what are you talking about right now? He's like, you don't speak, but you let us speak. And I thought, this is a great idea because the church is paying me to speak. And if I can get someone else to do that and still get a paycheck, this is a total win. So I got excited about that. And, uh, and what happened was we eventually that little idea and joke kind of turned into this thing that we now do every year. And for five years, starting with this one conversation with Chase, it's turned into this series called You Own the Weekend, where students actually pick not only the topic and the lesson, but they also then do the teaching. They do the testimony. They have the video. They even provide every element of the service from, you know, a, a, the band, whatever. It's going to be done um, by each of the different high schools that are represented in our ministry. So we've done it for five years now. It's the biggest attendance of all year in our youth ministry because students, it was their idea and, and they've really, really run with it. So sometimes you get good ideas. Sometimes you get bad ideas. But I think you, as a communicator, you have to know where the series is going, where this lesson is going. You know, there's two tools that I use every single time um, I map out a series. And I, I teach workshops, and these two are kind of the, the two ideas that always rise to the top. The first one is called a series arc. And I've kind of invented that term. I don't even know if it's any good, but whatever. It's called a series arc, and it's simply a paragraph that describes each week of where the series is going. So the series arc is just this 50,000-foot view that says, hey, this is where we're starting in the series. Here's where we're going, and here's where we're going to end. And so each of the series that we do at our church, every single time, there's been some serious time put into that. That, that series arc. So we know where we want to take students over the course of the next month. And then a second term that is just basically the same concept, but just drilled down a little bit deeper is called a sermon arc. And a sermon arc is the, where the message starts and where it will finish. So we don't just want to map out where we're going to go over the course of the month. I want to also map out just in a, a single simple paragraph 
um, the values that I'm going to try to communicate from God's Word at each level of yeah, for each week of the of the series. So a series arc I think could be really helpful uh, for you, and a, and a sermon arc can be helpful as well. Let me tell you why it's helpful. You know, number one, it keeps me on track with the original vision of the series. So I remember, okay, this is why we picked this topic, and it also helps me have a little bit of backbone to maybe teach on a tough topic that I would like to avoid or slash be inspired by the Holy Spirit to not teach on this week. So (laughs) it keeps me on track, and it reminds me, hey, this is an important topic, and we need to go after it. Um, And then I think a third advantage would be, you know, it honestly just helps helps me – um, be reminded of the the mission of the the sermon as well. So as I do sermon prep, you know, I wander all over the place and take my time and can get on some rabbit trails. And that that is particular the sermon arc will really keep me on track. It will really remind me this is the point of this message. This is where we're supposed to go. Now people always push back right away. They always go, "Wait a minute! You plan your series is, and you know, you know, you leave no room for God's Spirit to guide you, or no room for improv or ad lib." And and I would say that's not entirely true. Um, I'm not a big planner. I'm really a fly by the seat of her pants kind of guy. But this really is a helpful tool so that I can plan, and so that the people that might be helping, you know, with with a, a video or something that they know that their video that they're working so hard on is going to connect with the message that's being spoken. Or the, the guy who, you know, the volunteer who's over a worship band, that the songs that he chose uh, or she chose are going to be appropriate for the message direction as well. Now, there have been a few times where I throw out a sermon arc and throw out a series arc or whatever, throw out a message and say, forget it, we're starting over. Um, but those times, honestly, are few and far between. I think, you know, God definitely is honored in our preparation and I think our students are also respected and honored very much um, by being prepared as well. So speaking of getting off track and needing a series arc, let me go back to the idea of, of preparation and collaboration. Um, well, the next step in that is once I know where the series is going and I've got the series arc written and even the, the sermon arc as well, um, I just throw out um, all the ideas that I can think of on a topic uh, on a whiteboard. So you can already tell I've mentioned a whiteboard two or three times in the few minutes we've been together. So you can tell that I'm a whiteboard kind of guy. And I even have an app on my phone. It's called the Whiteboard app. And it lets you take pictures of your whiteboard and then file them into categories or folders. So I suppose you could just do that with your phone app. But I'm a little bit of a geek, so it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) So if you look through my photo stream on my iPhone, you'd find a ton of pictures of my whiteboard because I'm constantly capturing and collecting ideas. Now, oftentimes, those ideas are, are used immediately. They're used the week of. Um, they're used within that series. But sometimes, you know, I'll find inspiration in an old idea or, or even an old series um, in a really fresh, new, and modern way. Um, so I would say, you know, if, you, if you're a whiteboard type of person, which is great, just make sure you don't let the ideas get erased on the whiteboard. Make sure you capture those. Again, in the spirit of collaboration, I involve students in that process. So um, on that same Tuesday when we're not having a, maybe a series or a, a quarterly meeting, we'll get together in my office and we'll whiteboard that particular week. So some people go, man, you serve at such a big church and talk to so many students. You must be so far planned in advance. And we're not at all. <laughs> um, in my church in Michigan, when I was speaking for you know maybe 25 students, um, I would – 
I honestly wouldn't honor preparation. And I would do the Saturday night special to be ready for Sunday school on Sunday morning. And I realize now with a lot more experience um, how foolish and naive and honestly how shallow that is. And so while I have, I'm not doing Saturday night specials anymore, um, I am definitely preparing my message for that upcoming weekend um, that very week. I admire pastors and churches and teachers and communicators that can, that can get really far in advance, and I am not among them. So I don't know if you're one of those people or not, but if you are, I'm jealous of you, and I kind of hate you a little bit too. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if we want to pause for questions at this point or if we should kind of save them a little more for the end. What's kind of the style, Matt? What do you think? Well, let's, uh, let's see if, there's any, if you've generated anything already. Uh, great content so far. Uh, any of you guys have a, a question uh, with anything that Josh has shared up to this point? You can hit star six and unmute. <laughs> I can always imagine that one person saying something and realizing, ah, oh, I'm still on mute, shoot. Because <laughs> that person would be me. Uh, all right, good. Well, I guess we'll just keep going, huh? Yeah, go for it. Okay, good. So once I know where the series is going and I've got everything in a brainstorm meeting, every idea that I can find, you know, I've got a few students in the room, maybe a freshman all the way to a senior, um, you know, some guys and some girls, maybe some different you know, high schools represented and definitely some different cultures, um, just a little bit of diversity in the room so we get a little diversity of ideas. Um, then I think it's time for me to kind of really begin my preparation, my personal preparation. And so, uh, you know, begin with prayer and then jump into that Word document. And I like to start with a blank Word document. You know, some people are really good at collecting other people's ideas or you know, maybe they've got a journal of ideas or something like that. But I really like kind of just starting from scratch whenever I, whenever I communicate as much as possible. Um, immediately throw down as many ideas as I can or stuff that was really great from the whiteboard. I put that into the document as well and try to transfer those ideas quickly and begin to see the sermon um, take place. Uh, a good little reminder would be, you know, perhaps you take that sermon arc that you created a few weeks ago and you'd put that at the top of your document just to remind you of where, where we're taking students with this message. So oftentimes that'll be what I do is I just keep that right there and then delete it at the very end just so I know this is where I'm going. This is where I'm taking students. God, help me to accomplish this mission that I believe you've given me to, to say and to speak. So kind of form out the ideas and then uh, get the first draft done. Um, you know, in typical youth ministry fashion, I don't always get a chance to, you know, get a perfect first draft done on the first day. And like most youth workers and teachers and communicators, I'd imagine you find yourself falling behind. So for sake of the discussion today, I'll just tell you the ideal and we'll skip the real part because the real part is <laughs> I just try to do it whenever I can. But ideally, um, you know, I'm going to deliver my message four times on the on the weekend, twice on Saturday night and twice on Sunday. That's what we would consider, you know, our youth meetings or youth group. So the the timeline that I'm telling you is pointing towards Saturday and Sunday. You might have to adjust it for your church or ministry or whatever as well. Um, so in my case, on Tuesday, I really have got to get that first draft done. That's my first day in the office. It's also when I'm you know, dealing with all the stuff that came up from church over the course of the weekend. I was faithful and took off my day, on, you know, my day off on Monday. But Tuesday, I've got to hit the ground running because in just a few days, I'm going to deliver another message. Um, as the primary communicator, like I'm sure many of you are, 
um, you know that it's just that relentless snowball that just as soon as you finally push that one up the hill, there's another hill behind it. And so there's no rest for uh, youth, youth communicators, that is for sure. So get the first draft done on Tuesday, and then ideally a really you know, sleep on it overnight, take care of other things that have to be done on Wednesday, and then really spend another significant amount of time um, with the message on Wednesday, if, if it's at all possible. Um, keep marinating, collecting stories. Maybe, you know, now that you have the, the series arc and the sermon art in your mind, you're also, you know, maybe you'd find a news story or a video. Or if you have a great memory, maybe you've already collected those in your mind for this series and you're starting to plug those in now. Um, this is usually where some of, you know, the personality starts to take place. The first draft is honestly just a ton of scripture and points, and it's kind of the skeleton. And Wednesday for me is more of the fun. It's the time of like, okay, how do I make this flow, and how do I work on transitions, and what would be a good pause and an emotional, you know, break for a moment maybe before we turn the corner and head to the finish line. So Wednesday becomes, in an ideal world, it becomes a second draft day. Then um, on Wednesday night and sometimes Thursday morning, depending on the week, I'll send the message out to a few trusted friends. Now, this is a, a really game-changing idea that a friend of mine, um, Doug Fields, who wrote the book Speaking to Teenager, um, he really modeled well for me. When I first came to our church, he was the high school pastor and is still one of my best friends to this day. He's the, the guy who co-founded Download Youth Ministry. Um, we found, co-founded that together. So we, we do life together. But one of the things that I saw him do that was remarkable was that he would send me his message before he delivered it. And coming from a, a church in Michigan where it was just on me to create the talk, this was so countercultural. And I almost was like, wait a minute, is God okay with that? Like if I help, you know, <laughs> I, it's a Word document. I can type words in that he will then, you know, pray over and edit, but eventually – you know, potentially say from the, the platform. And uh, what I realized happening was it, it's so good and so helpful to have someone else read your message before you deliver it. You know, sometimes we get up there and we think we're on track. We think we're clear. We think we're funny. We think we're whatever. And then we quickly realize, and unfortunately too late, that we have, you know, written something that was really good for our hearts and it does not translate well. So he would write out his, his uh, messages word for word, so transcript format, so three to 4,000 words or so. And then he would send it out to a few trusted friends, and I was among them. And that has inspired me to this day, every single time I communicate to students, um, someone in my trusted circle of friends um, has seen this message, has edited this message, has ruthlessly given me feedback before I ever have said a word. Um, again, this is in no way, you know, disparaging the Holy Spirit's work or anything at all. It is, um, honestly, I would say it's one of the secrets of master communicators is they let people, you know, see their stuff before it's delivered. Um, and, and how do you find that person? That might be a good question that somebody would bring up, and, and I'll answer that to a degree. Um, it's got to be someone that you really love and that really loves you. And here's why. Um, if I don't think you love me and you're giving me some, you know, I, I'm vulnerable, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm vulnerable. When I show you this document, it is, it is a piece of me. It is my heart. It is my passion. It is my calling in life. 
And for someone to ruthlessly tear it apart, if they, if they love me, tear it apart. Make it better. I trust you. I believe in you. Um, your voice is so important in this process. Um, but if there's anything less than that, um, it really isn't, it isn't helpful. Um, and it hurts. <laughs> so when you send your talk off, if you were to take this advice and send your message off, I'd just say make sure it's somebody who really genuinely loves you, has your best interest at heart. And if possible, you know, send it to a few different people. I'm, I would throw out a couple ideas. Maybe one would be someone who's really funny, funnier than you, and they can help punch up your message a little bit, give you a couple one-liners here and there. Um, I'd send it, if possible, send it to somebody who's smarter than you. Send it to someone who's more theological than you. Um, send it to a high school student. Maybe you've got a really sharp, uh, maybe it's a senior. And maybe they're one of the seniors who's kind of on the fringe in your youth ministry or your school or whatever. And you could send that to them and give them this inside look into the talk and voice. And I think you might be surprised at the amount of ownership that they would have as well. They would be you know, incredibly honored and humbled to help you create the talk. Um, so that would be a few people that I would reach out to. And I try to do that um, as late as maybe Thursday morning. Then in our context, we're going to you know, print an outline and make a few PowerPoint slides or whatever on Friday. So I've got to have that message locked and loaded on Friday. And it, it usually happens. Sometimes it doesn't. There's been you know, weeks, as I'm honest with you, that this ideal schedule is nowhere near reality. And I had to, you know, maybe do a funeral or it was overwhelmed with school or personal stuff. You know, things get in the way of this perfect schedule. Um, but these are the values that I try to hold to. Even if I have to accelerate the process, even if I don't have five days, but I have five hours, um, I will be absolutely sharing my outline with somebody, even for a quick glance over or run the major points by them. Um, it's just too important to me, collaboration all the way. Then on, the, on our weekend services, I'll deliver the talk four times. The first time I deliver it, and I get the privilege of giving the same message four times. When I first became the high school pastor, I was frustrated by that, going, wow, every Saturday night of the year and every Sunday morning, I'm going to be delivering messages, and this is going to be a brutal schedule. But it's actually a gift because being able to deliver the same talk four times, I really do feel like I can hone it down. And for years and years of communicating to teenagers, I had one shot. And however it went is however it went. Um, and so I really find myself being able to get good feedback and then use that feedback immediately um, in that same night or the next morning. So one of the things I know that you guys value as a community um, on the call is that you would also give each other feedback. And to me, that is also the secret, part of the secret sauce of good communicators. Um, something that separates them from average communicators is they are they open themselves up for feedback at their most vulnerable time. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I walk off of stage and I feel like I did the very best I could, I'm communicating God's word, I'm trying to hold the attention of teenagers, which is a, that's a difficult challenge in and of itself, and I walk off stage and I never feel more vulnerable than I do right then and there. And that's when the feedback comes. So now I'm already vulnerable, and now these people are telling me what I did wrong or what I could do better. Um, but I'll tell you what, the, I really do trust the people that I ask for feedback as well. And they have been very gracious and very honest 
Um, they speak the truth, and sometimes I have to remind them to do it in love because it hurts. But they make me a, a better speaker. Um, so so hey, Josh, talk. L- yeah. l- let, me, let me ask you this real quick. Sure. Uh, you say you've got some specific individuals that you, know, you are seeking out during the weekend while you're you know, giving this message over and over. Yep. Just give us an example. Who are some of those individuals? Are they staff members? Are they leaders, volunteers, students? Who are they? Yeah, that's a great a great question. Um, well, one is my spouse, you know, my wife. She's gonna be giving me feedback whether I want it or not. So, that, <laughs> uh, and talk about ruthless. She's the most ruthless of them all. I can walk off stage and go, I crushed it tonight. That was money, and she'd be like, Meh, that's all right. <laughs> so, I appreciate her feedback the most. I talk about someone who I can trust. But um, I'll give you a, a guy's name. His name is Chip, and Chip comes every single week to our youth ministry. He is just the man. And Chip is a volunteer who was a volunteer before I even came to the church and honestly will probably be there long after I'm gone. Just a faithful youth worker, been been in youth ministry um, as a volunteer for years and years and years. Well, here's the thing. Chip is a really important piece of the puzzle because he's not a speaker, he's not a communicator, um, and he's not really creative, and he's not even... He's just not a stage kind of guy. But here's what Chip does. Every single week, I walk off stage, I head into our little debrief meeting, and Chip immediately tells me the pulse of the crowd. He tells me what he heard um, from where he was sitting. And when he tells me what students were writing down on the outline that we provided. You know, because I'm up there on stage, I'm looking out and doing my best to communicate and connect and read those signs myself. But I kind of view him as my boots on the ground, and he's looking over a student's shoulder to see if they're writing down notes to each other or the sermon notes. So I really appreciate kind of having a spy, I guess is what I'm saying. I have a spy. (laughs) Uh, And then I have uh, another person. I kind of just view her as my number two. Her name is Jessica, and she is a very good communicator, um, and she's all heart. And so she's not giving me a ton of feedback on, you know, delivery or whatever. She's just helping me make sure that that the heart of the message lands. She'd kind of be the more of the, I don't know, somewhere in the theologian area of, of my message helpers. And, um, and then I got a couple dudes, one is a volunteer and then one's on staff of the church. And they, um, they're just my humor guys. They're my punch up guys. And they're constantly going, Hey, I can, I can make this line better. Or what if you tweak this? Or can you cut this story to tell this one longer? And they're just my, uh, they're funnier than me. And they let me steal their stuff every week. And I do. And you know, I get credit for it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I really value their input as well. So that, those are a couple of people that just a couple of volunteers and then one guy on church staff who, you know, they just really help me be a better communicator every single week. Um, we would do the same thing for a guest speaker. So if a guest speaker comes in, I tell them in advance, hey, just so you know, this is what we do. <laughs> and it's and usually even guest speakers um, are taken aback by the honesty of our crew because we're going to say what happened. And so um, <laughs> usually they walk away, you know, a little bit, you know, like deer in the headlights, but also thankful for the feedback that they've been given. And again, these are the people that believe in me and I trust them and uh, I'm trusting God's spirit to lead them and me. And so, um, so far it's worked out really well. That's great. All right, you can continue. I'm sorry about interrupting there. I just wanted some clarification. No, Keep that's going. great. 
Yeah. So I think then you just have to remember that this whole process starts again immediately after you're done. So if you know the series arc of where you're headed as a series, I would say it's really wise to constantly be a collector. So if you know that this is a never-ending, continual you know, process, I think it's really important to go, okay, in May, I have, I have a series name. I have a name picked out. I know it's called Think Different. This is actually true for me right now. Um, it's called Think Different. So I'm going to kind of go with this, like, Jesus says the opposite of what the culture at his time was saying. And the principles of the Bible today are saying the opposite of what our culture says. Okay, I got that. So that's the hook of the series. I haven't written the series arc yet. I haven't written the sermon arc, but I know kind of where we're headed. So here it is, you know, whatever month it is right now, February. I'm already in my mind going, think different, think different, think different. Countercultural message. What does the Bible say? So in my personal time with God, in my preparation for a chapel lesson that might be at one of our schools in the area, um, in in discussion with someone, even as I'm surfing, surfing, you know, YouTube or whatever, I'm constantly going, what can I collect? What can I think of? What can I connect to that theme of think different in, uh, in May? So since this is a never ending continual and honestly brutal process, um, make sure that you are, you become a collector. You become a person who constantly is on the lookout for the pieces of the message that you're going to need even in a few months. So that's kind of my, my, the gist of where I wanted to take that particular one. Maybe pause for questions here, and then we'll head off in another direction. All right. Uh, who's got a question for Josh? He's given us some great content so far. Uh, now is your chance to hit star six, jump in, and ask Josh Griffin a question. Go. Going once, <laughs> going twice. It's like going to an auction. Don't sneeze or exactly. you'll be called on. All right. Okay. Uh, you can keep rolling. You got anything else for us, Josh? If oh, so, yeah. I got some more. Sure. And then yeah, uh, one we'll of the things- some final question and answer. Oh, that's great. I love it. Um, one of the things that we just started talking about, which I'm excited because we started talking about August today. And August is an important month for me as a communicator because – I'm not going to communicate at all, not a single time in the month of August. And that is a humongous gift to me, and I'm so excited about it because as the person who is the primary speaker and communicator, to get some time off, it is crucial. So one of the reasons we chose August is out here in California, the schools all start really late. So August is actually the end of summer out here. And school never starts until like the 9th or 11th, somewhere right in that area of September. So August for me is vacation time, and I'm so stoked about that. And here's a couple reasons why um, I've always chosen August off. Now, I'm certainly not here saying you need to do this too. You need to take off August, and it's, this is a holy – it's not. It's definitely not that. Um, but it's really important that for me and for our student ministry, and I'll throw out a few reasons why. Um, August, I call it the bullpen month, where if I'm the, the main pitcher every week who's got to get up on the mound, um, it's, a, it's the month where we go to the bullpen. Um, here's the first reason. Uh, the first reason why August is my, my month of rest from the stage is that I'm saving myself for key times in our ministry. And this is just something that I think is a, a really important, important conversation for your own health 
and also for the health of your youth ministry or church or school or whatever it might be. Um, in my case, August is actually a down, much quieter month. Everyone's on vacation. It's summer. It's past our camp. Um, there isn't a lot of momentum in August, so it's a natural time for me to have a break as well. Um, but it's an important one for me because I need to take a break. And I think sometimes we look at ourselves and we go, I, the success of our student ministry rises and falls on me. And so I've got to be on stage. I've got to be the one delivering the talks. I've got to be up there. And to be honest, that is, it is really false thinking. And it leads a lot of youth workers to start to believe that they're the most important gift to their youth ministry. And they're building fans of themselves instead of, you know, obviously fans of Jesus and, and part of the church and all of that. Um, not saying that you're not important, because obviously you are, and that you're, you're critically important. But I think we kind of become self-reliant and dependent on our skills as a communicator. And you need to, first reason is you need to rest. You need to take some time off for your own health. And I would say kind of a second reason would be save yourself for the key times in your ministry. So as the lead youth worker in our church and the lead communicator, I'm never going to miss a week in September. September is back to school. It's nuts. It's crazy. September and even into October as we launch our small groups, those are critical months to make sure that I am, I am, the, I am up front and delivering the vision, messages, the direction for our youth ministry. I'm, I'm all over those. You know, honestly, you get into December, and that's a month when I slow down a little bit. Um, then January, man, critically important. New year, lots of momentum. This is an important time. So I'm back up front, and I never miss those weekends as well. Those are really, really important ones. And then, you know, you roll into down towards August, and I'm not even going to be uh, around. I'm going to be on vacation, and I'm going to be gearing up for the busy season ahead. So save yourself for the key times in your ministry. Um, save yourself um, because otherwise you're going to burn yourself out. And I'm sure everyone on the call could totally talk about people in youth ministry who pressed too hard and they became you know, reliant on them. They didn't take the proper breaks or Sabbath. And all of a sudden they were spent, burned out, done. Um, or maybe just still part of the church, but bitter and jaded and, and you know, ruined from the inside out. That happens too. So save yourself. And August for me is just one where I put my foot down and said, okay, I'm going to have other people um, jump in and teach in August. Here's another benefit to that strategy too. Um, and that it's that I want to develop other teaching voices. I want other you know, volunteers and other staff and other students to develop their teaching voice as well. You know, one of the most exciting parts about me not having to speak is that I get to give the stage away. I get to give the stage to, you know, a, a volunteer, maybe, maybe even Chip, the guy I talked about earlier. I've actually been toying with this idea um, because he has such a great heart and he has been a part of our youth ministry for so long. Um, why would I not want his voice to speak to our students? Why would I not want him to come up? Even if the polish isn't quite there, even if the skill as a communicator isn't quite there, you know, to some degree he would make up a lot of that in his longevity, in his heart, in his belief, in his passion. Um, obviously I think speaking skills are very important, but in some cases, especially for like a one-off in August, I would say, why would we not give him that chance? 
Um, and so I want other voices to be developed. If I want Chip to be a great communicator, how is he ever going to be able to be awesome if I don't give him opportunities? Um, and I might, you know, I would say I, I break it out into um, maybe three different opportunities. Like this weekend, actually in 24 hours, we're leaving for our winter retreat. So we're heading out. We're taking a bus up to the mountains. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be awesome. Many of you probably had a, a similar event or will soon, right? So, or maybe, you know, if you live in Georgia, you are in a winter retreat right now, and it's just <laughs> your house. <laughs> um, I think I actually got a little sunburned today out here in California. But anyhow, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I want to develop teaching voices, and I can do that up at winter retreat. I could put Chip in on a student workshop maybe. Or I could have him teach a Bible study. Those are helpful. But if I want him to be a great communicator, I need to put some of the pressure of an audience and an expectation on him as well. And so I want to develop him, and that would be putting him in front of our, our large group as well. You, know, you put somebody in front of four or five kids, they'll do a great job. Uh, you put someone in front of 35 kids, that is a much, much tougher audience. And obviously, there's a, a skill set there and a gifting that we could go into and talk about at length. But as you look to develop people, August is a developing month for me. I go, I'm not working on sermon prep, but I'm, I'm, work, I'm working on you know, people who are delivering sermons. So I'm still working just in a different and, and far less visible way. Um, I'll throw out a couple more maybe. One would be students learn differently. And we need to know that, you know, your voice is just one voice and one style of communication, and students learn differently. And I have uh, four kids, and each of those kids learns very differently from the others. You know, some are, they relate really well to stories, and some relate really well to facts. Some are very emotional, and some are, are much more calculated. And I think it's important to realize that the students in our youth ministry or our class or whatever, they're very different and they learn differently, they absorb differently, um, they respond differently, and we need to give them room. So if, if I'm the primary communicator, that's fine, but there has to be secondary communicators um, for those students who don't respond as well to me, um, for them to find a voice that they can latch onto and, and respond to as well. You know, it goes without saying, we obviously trust the Spirit of God to speak to everyone's heart through any communicator. Um, but I think there's wisdom in putting up different um, faces and voices in front of our students. I'll tell you a quick story about my daughter. Um, we were at a concert the other night up at the Honda Center in Anaheim, and it was a great concert. The biggest bands headlining, some friends of ours had given us some seats, and we, were, we don't go to a lot of concerts, so this was overwhelming and so, so fun. So there's like five bands during the night, and three bands in, um, my daughter leans over to me and says, why are there no girl bands? And, I, and she's, she just turned nine yesterday. And I went, yeah, why are there no girl bands? And sure enough, the fourth band was, you know, whatever, Jamie Grace came out and sang some beautiful songs. And she sang along to everyone and loved it before the closing band came that happened to have mixed you know, men, men and women in that final band. And I thought to myself as I walked away from that, wow, my daughter, she's looking for a female voice in this. And as I look across my youth ministry, that's roughly 60, maybe a little higher than that, 60% or more female, I need to realize too the importance of not only my masculine communication, 
but also the, a feminine communicator. And uh, I think there's some wisdom in having different voices because people learn differently. And I think there's some wisdom in different voices because they'll respond to different genders um, really, really well. Um, my daughter taught me a really valuable lesson that night. And if you look at the speakers in our youth ministry, you'll find an ever-increasing number um, of females speaking as well. So I'm thankful for her insight there. So I don't know what you're planning on doing this August. I'm going to be on a road trip with my family all over the country, not worrying about my youth ministry because I'm taking a break from the stage. The principle here obviously is make sure you take a break from the stage. Make sure that you have some time in your, for your own health, for your own you know, personal life, also for the health of your youth ministry, for the health of developing other voices, and for the people that would respond differently to different communicators, give them that chance. Um, by having someone else take the stage, it doesn't all rise and fall on you. Thanks for listening to the Youth Speakers Coach podcast. For more information about Youth Speakers Coach, check out youthspeakerscoach.org. Thank you.